EO Fire 1257. Get busy working on your own dreams, otherwise you'll end up working for someone else. Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to EO Fire, where I chat with inspiring entrepreneurs seven days a week. EOFire.com is your go-to resource for everything you need to rock your entrepreneurial journey. Ignite. Thanks to our new sponsor, Google, you can go to g.co slash eofire to get a $75 AdWords credit after you invest $25 in your first campaign. That's g.co slash eofire. Who's ready to rock today, Fire Nation? John Lee Dumas here, and I'm fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Matthew Helderman. Matthew, are you prepared to ignite? I am, John. Thanks for having me on. Matthew is a media entrepreneur and Sundance awarded film producer based in Beverly Hills, California. In 2013, he founded the media debt financing firm Bondit, which has completed over 150 media financing transactions to date. Matthew, take a minute, fill in some gaps in that intro and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you again for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show, big fan of the community, and uh, you know, certainly love the audience and uh, and what what you've done to sort of uh, you know transition and inspire lots of lots of young. Up-and-down. You are buttering Fire Nation right up, aren't you, my friends? <laughs> I am. I am. I am indeed. No. Uh, so your 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 intro was um, really accurate. I started as a um, film producer uh, in physical production. Um, which actually means, you know, the, the folks who are actually literally on a film set putting the pieces together, overseeing the scheduling, the budgeting, the management of the actual personnel. Um, I was born and raised back east uh, with a family not sort of deeply embedded in the media space, which is worth noting uh, because it is a, a fairly nepotistic um, uh, industry in general. And so came out west um, after uh, as an undergrad, you know, raising a small slug of, of cash, uh, about $25,000 dollars as a junior undergrad uh, after reading a Wall Street Journal article about a filmmaker in New York who shot a film for a similar price, about $30,000, and sold it for about a million, sort of said, okay, that's obviously a, a great return structure and ROI. I think I can do that. Um, at the time, I was an economics student and studying film, uh, film history and film philosophy, but not production, uh, and so needed uh, resources and support in actually getting that project off the ground. I think at the time I was like 20, 21 years old. And my then girlfriend, my now wife, uh, had grown up with um, my eventual business partner, who at the time was out at USC um, at the film program and the, the media program. So we put this this project together uh, in between our junior and senior year of undergrad, sold it to a company out in Los Angeles, uh, sort of thinking it was going to be our big uh, our big break, so to speak, in the entertainment space and transition us to be you know, sort of high-level producers or creatives. Uh, ultimately, what ended up happening is um, you know, six months later, you know, sort of piecing together what you're going to do post-graduation uh, and come to realize that the structure of that sales contract was put together in such a way that we could never make money. Um, there, there, there's effectively, you know, Hollywood accounting practices are very, very much a very real thing. Uh, and it came to fruition, sort of understanding they had capped and stacked all sorts of 
spending uh, on top of our recruitment process. Uh, and so it opened up our eyes to this huge business that was out west that growing up back east, not really being uh, sort of let behind that curtain, so to speak, uh, gave us an insight to say, okay, and given the skill set we have, given the drive and ambition we have as you know, sort of a young group, I think we can make a run at this. And so um, moved out west right after. Don't breakfast. spoil everything, Matthew. Don't yeah, spoil everything, my I friends. Won't. So let me stop you right there for a second because you took the journey of many entrepreneurs. I love that phrase, go west, my son, go west. Mm-hmm. I actually listened to those words myself back in 2009 and uh, made my, my first cross-country trip out to San Diego. And uh, you know, I really haven't left since for a couple of years uh, bopping here and there. But what I really want to dive into now, Matthew, before we go into more of your journey, which you are really getting into detail about, Let's talk about today, right mm-hmm. now, 2016. How does Matthew generate revenue for his business? Yep, that's a great question. And I think I, I would preface it by saying the, the media space is a very niche, uh, especially the feature film media space, is a very niche market uh, in many respects. You know, As opposed to um, technology or even traditional service-based business models, um, sort of slinging services or selling product is really sort of looked down upon uh, in the entertainment space because it is so wrapped into uh, a creative medium, right? I mean, most folks who you sort of look at and pinpoint and say they've made it as a media entrepreneur or as a producer or as a creative, they're known for a piece of content. And that piece of content ends up effectively sustaining them for a substantial amount of time in terms of the royalty or residual aspects to the long tail earning potential of that that property. We started in a very different position because we bootstrapped these businesses from the ground up. And so our skill set and what we could offer and market and sell uh, to actually generate any revenue, let alone think about growth, were understanding how projects are put together. Uh, And so as you mentioned in my intro, Bondit launched in late 2013, but in 2011, uh, Luke, my partner, and I, who I had mentioned, we launched Buffalo 8, which is where we produce all of our content. And so for the first three plus years before Bondit it was even an idea, uh, our entire revenue model was based on producing third-party product, meaning folks came to us with a million dollars or half a million dollars and said, we want to produce a film. Here's what we have. Here's effectively the skeleton. Can you help us flesh it out? Uh, we built a library of about 30 films, which sort of looking back on it seems you know, monumentous sort of in and of itself. Okay. Boop. Press fast forward. Coming to today. What are you doing to generate revenue? Today, Buffalo 8 services about four different verticals. Uh, there still remains a feature film component. So just as you mentioned, we had three films in Sundance this year, uh, one that we developed in-house from a creative standpoint and raised the capital uh, and then oversaw it from a production standpoint. So you're generating revenue both on the development fees as well as the production fees. Uh, then similarly, we get hired as a third-party uh, production company to come on board and actually produce content. Uh, and then Buffalo 8 has a full post-production division, so servicing everything from editorial, animation, visual effects, etc., under our roof here in Beverly Hills. Uh, Outside of all of that, uh, on the other side of my day-to-day is Bondit, which is a senior debt financier. 
Um, so effectively discounting all sorts of media receivables, whether that's distribution contracts, whether that's royalty streams, whether it's you know, tax incentives. And you've completed 150 media financing transactions to date. I mean, Fire Nation, think about that. I mean, those are some serious transactions. Now, Matthew, we are going to go back into your journey. And, and what I want you to do is just to Take us to one moment in time. Don't do the pre-roll or the post-roll of it. Take us to that very moment that Mm. you consider your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. I want to be there with you, Matthew, and tell us that story. Yeah, I think there's there's two. I'll, I'll start with the one that is sort of You're historical. just going to choose the worst. I'll choose the worst. The, the worst is... Um, Myself and Luke had effectively been been tasked with putting together a film that to that point would have been the largest we had put together. Uh, it was about a million dollar project and it was coming from a single financier. So you can imagine one individual is effectively writing a check for that entire project. Uh, up until that point, we had produced two other films for that individual uh, group of investors and everything had gone smoothly. So at this point, we're like 22, 23 years old. I think I was 23. Luke was like 21. Um and we had hired on a full crew, which means you've got you know, 20, 30 people on payroll. Uh, we had scouted all of the locations. So it was a very ambitious shoot. It was like 25, 30, 30 locations. So if you could just in like 30 seconds break down, like what was this movie supposed to be about? Like I want to kind of get a feel about uh, yeah. what this movie is going to be about. Uh, it was it was called a film called Buddies, and it was basically a buddy comedy. So think like the poor man's version of Rush Hour is sort of the the quick the quick spiel. Okay, so like a Seth Green was the main character, right? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wouldn't be your worst entrepreneurial moment if that was the case. Yeah, and, and, and the cast was actually very strong. And, okay, and that 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 ended up being an issue in and of itself, and that we trusted so intensely that the financiers. Uh, were coming through, right? And so we so there's just one guy, correct? It's one individual, and up until that point, you know, we had done other projects where half a million dollars needed to drop into an account, and you know, the morning would come around, and they would ask for wire information, and by lunchtime here in, in Los Angeles, it would be in the account. So there's twenty or thirty people that are working for you. You're scouting locations. You got the movie. It's going to be good. Like, keep going. At that point, we we're probably up to about 40 people on payroll. We had made the mistake in retrospect of putting uh, everyone under our company uh, liability. So everyone was effectively working for our LLC versus a shell LLC, which obviously looking forward was you know, something that we should have been doing. Yeah. And just real quick, I want to break in here, like Fire Nation. That's why like when you're starting a company, like I started EO Fire LLC because now it's not a personal liability to me. So like if somebody walks into my studio for some reason and like, you know, falls and like does something and like, I'm not going to be personally sued as the LLC, which is an individual, like LLCs are considered individuals. So that's very interesting to kind of make sure you are protecting yourself in that way. So continue, Matthew. Yeah. So at that point, we probably had about 45, 50 people on weekly payroll and week over week would pass. And when you're putting a film together, there's a what's called basically hard pre-production, which means all these folks are on payroll and you're actively moving towards a designated start date. Uh, and so you've got tangible week over week goals that you're meeting. And some of those goals are putting down very large deposits, deposits for locations, deposits for equipment, deposits for So we're talking money is going out the door. I mean, what about is that dollar amount when you have 45 people on payroll? Like, what does that number look like? 
Uh, at that point, we were probably about three hundred to you know two hundred and fifty to three hundred fifty thousand dollars in the hole. Okay. So you're 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 talking serious enough revenue where when you're you know twenty years old, twenty one, twenty two years sure. old. Um, and it was sort of the first big break, so to speak. All right, let's get to the juice, my man. Press that fast forward button. <laughs> uh, the juice is basically you know, week over week. These 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 individuals were financing small slugs, so they'd say, you know, what, what's owed this week? And I'd say uh. forty thousand, and forty thousand would come, but it would come sort of very strangely. It would come in increments, or it would come in pieces, or it would be put on a credit card. And so there was obviously a, a concern. Uh, at this point, you have what's called the, the production meeting. This is where literally every single department head sits down in the room to have a discussion uh, about the, the, the plan going forward. And the financiers had flown out from the East Coast to sit down with us in that meeting. So you can imagine you're walking through every day of the, the shoot, the directors there, the, the producers, every single department head, and the financier calls me aside uh, to my office uh, outside of our conference room and just said flat out, the money's not coming. Uh, we, need to, we, need, we need to shut this down. Uh, what's the damage going to look like? And so at that point, we had made what are called payer play offers, uh, which basically means in the entertainment business, when an independent movie is being put together, high-level agents who rep meaningful talent – uh, they know that oftentimes these projects fall right. apart. And so they've allotted their client's time uh, for that project. And whether or not it goes, meaning whether or not it actually goes into production, you have to pay them. And so we had made pay or play offers to some pretty meaningful talent at big talent agencies based on the guarantees we had been given by these uh, financiers. Okay, so let's sum this up. What exactly ended up being the damage here? So we were probably in the hole a couple hundred thousand dollars um, in terms of crew, in terms of cast, in terms of deposits, in terms of uh, non-refundable deposits for services that were never going to be rendered. Things like equipment and, and catering and locations that were never going to be needed, needing to be used going forward. And so the, the sort of brass tacks of it was we were sitting there um, sort of holding the bag on a situation that we, in retrospect, could have put sort of pumped the brakes on earlier. And then further, the damage was how do we resolve all of these folks that are going to come after us and our company versus the folks who were financing it? And then thirdly was the biggest piece, which was we weren't diversified as a business at that point. We were singularly focused on producing content. And so when that project fell apart, your entire, your entire sort of modelable revenue for that quarter went up in smoke. Not to mention the fact that you had to deal with the fallout. So there was sort of a threefold, uh, you know, worst moment, so to speak. Matthew, what would you say your biggest lesson is looking back on this now? I mean, you were young then. You're, you're obviously, you know, a little older, a little wiser. What's the number one lesson looking back? Kind of an aerial perspective again, you know, not necessarily for somebody that is in your industry, but just an overall lesson learned from that experience. Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, you touched on it briefly when you addressed making sure you're um, really understanding the liability that you hold uh, project to project, uh, contract to contract, which we understood to a certain degree. We had LLCs set up to sort of offshore specific pieces of our liability, but it wasn't managed properly. And I think the, the biggest piece was understanding the need to be diversified. You know, I think in today's sort of fast-paced market, whether you're in tech, entertainment, service business, whatever the case may be, uh, being multifaceted in the sense that if one piece of your revenue or one piece of your projected revenue uh, ends up slipping, 
it shouldn't end up completely derailing uh, your trajectory. And we were we were not only young, but we were naive in thinking and trusting uh, one source to effectively be you know, so meaningful in our business. And Matthew, how old are you now? I'm 28. So you're a little older, a little wiser, maybe a lot wiser. And Fire Nation, <laughs> this is what we need to realize as entrepreneurs. I mean, we have to surround ourselves for the people who have been there and done that. That's why I'm so big on mentors. Because the reality is if Matthew had had an amazing mentor, somebody who was where he wanted to be. So if Matthew had looked up and said, hey, there's somebody who's been down my path before and is now where I want to be in the future in my industry, in my niche, who's experienced these type of things. I'm going to do everything in my power to become mentored by this person. That person would have opened their eyes up to everything, everything. You know, they would have said, hey, X, Y, and Z, these I's need to be dotted. These T's need to be crossed. Absolutely. So Fire Nation, what do you need to do to find that person who is where you want to be in life as you continue to progress and what are you willing to do and give up to get mentored by that person? I'm going to tell you, it'll be the most important thing you do in your life. Now, Matthew, what would you consider? You know, you're, now you're five, six years older than you were when that happens. You still have some weaknesses, believe it or not. And, and I, all entrepreneurs have weaknesses. But what would you drill down as your number one weakness as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, obviously, I, I prepared in sort of looking over this. And I think it's it's glaringly obvious to me as I look around <clears throat> our businesses today. It's it's not being able to, to remain sort of singularly focused, mm. you know, not, not being able to sort of put the blinders on, have one sort of tip of the spear focus that's out there that we're focusing on. I think, you know, I look at entrepreneurs like a Richard Branson and folks that are tremendously diversified in their in their focus and their foundation and what their brand stands for sort of across many industries and segments. And that's always been much more uh, appealing to me as an entrepreneur. But I think, as you very well know, and I'm sure your audience very well knows, building out sort of that, that initial foundation that gives you the luxury, really, of being able to become that multi-focused um, is a long ride, and it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight where you know, Branson launches 15 different divisions of Virgin. It takes time to build up what Virgin stands for in its core and its principle and its philosophies. Uh, and so for me, I know that my team would, would probably similarly say uh, my inability to just drill down and say, here's what we're going after for the next 12 months. Everything else becomes noise that falls outside of that spectrum uh, is certainly something I know that I need to continue getting much, much better at. Focus, Fire Nation. Follow one course until success. And then guess what? You've achieved that success because of that focus. Now, what's that next focus going to be? Just like Matthew's talking about with Richard Branson, he built those blocks, one block at a time with laser focus. Now, Matthew, what is your biggest strength? I've done a great job in building various blocks under one roof. You know, we've, we've recently acquired a talent management company, you know, attracting a business that was already operating to want to sort of recognize that Buffalo 8 had value to come underneath our umbrella. Similarly, finding ways to diversify our, uh, our revenue streams in an industry that, like I mentioned earlier, is very niche in the sense that uh, there's a stigma around sort of slinging services, you know, to, to use sort of the slang that I think a lot of folks use in my industry, which is how do you, how do you remain a creative entity uh, while still having the necessity of making payroll? 
with 10 to 15 people on you know, a monthly payroll or monthly salaries. And so I think it's the ability to attract other high-level, high-performing uh, folks and inspiring them to want to be a partner with you and never really feeling like you're a boss, never really feeling like you're anything other than uh, someone who's helping them achieve uh, sort of the ultimate potential that they have using their skill sets under the larger umbrella that you've built as a team, an industry that is constantly moving and constantly requiring you to pivot uh, as it shifts. Matthew, get up on the pulpit. I'm giving you 30 seconds. Break down for Fire Nation the one thing that you are most fired up about right now. I'll sort of use Bondit as something very specific. Bondit is, uh, just to, to, to rehash, it's a senior debt financing firm. So we finance, like I said, uh, contracts, receivables in the media space, um, which has its ups and downs. And I think what has me sort of quote unquote fired up is the fintech space. And that's financial technology for, for folks who aren't you know, super following that, that space. But it is, it is exploding, unlike perhaps any other segment of the firm financial markets uh, globally. Now you look at, um, you know, it's a $78 trillion credit market um, in the United States alone. And you've got companies like Lending Club and On Deck and Cabbage and Orchard. Yep. Carving out very large pieces of that market um, in a huge way. You know, there's sort of these, these great slogans around town here and up in San Francisco on billboards for the, for a specific company, basically saying the future of banking doesn't include banks. Right. I mean, they're they're literally carving out multi-trillion dollar markets by using technology to scale up quicker than traditional bank models have ever been able to do. The future of banking doesn't include banks. Fire Nation, think about that one for a second. And don't go anywhere because we're about to enter the lightning round. We're going to take a quick minute to thank our sponsors. Fire Nation, if you're like me, then you're busting out the razor and shaving cream more than just once a week. And if there's one thing I hate spending my precious time and hard-earned money on, it's less than impressive shaving gear. After all, this face was made for more than just podcasting. That's why when I received all I needed to have a great shave in one tidy box without having to go to the store or spend a ton of money, I knew I had to share Harry's with you. Harry's offers German-engineered five-blade cartridges that give you a close, comfortable shave with factory direct pricing. The best part? They ship straight to your doorstep. Ready to ditch the trip to the drugstore and save yourself both time and money? The Harry's starter set is just $15 and includes a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Plus, Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code FIRE. Visit harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y. Ys.com and enter promo code FIRE at checkout. I was doing my laundry the other day, and as per usual, I had a sock sitting lonely. Not a match in sight. Socks aren't super expensive, but they aren't really hard to come by either. But that doesn't prevent the frustration of pretty much always losing a sock to the sock monsters. So what did I do? Well, I couldn't resist a Google search. There has to be a business for this, I thought to myself. And guess what? There is a business that sells socks in threes instead of pairs. Genius! So even if you come up short, your once was a single sock will never sit lonely again. In fact, no matter what business you're in, an ad on Google can help you find new customers at the exact moment they're searching for what you have to offer. Sounds like a great visibility tool, doesn't it? Why not give it a try? Go to g.co slash eofire to get a $75 credit after you invest $25 in your first campaign. That's g.co slash eofire. Matthew, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? 
I am. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I mean, I think it's interesting because I literally came out of school and sort of launched right into it. You know, I'd never, along with my partners, we never worked for anyone else. So I think what was holding us back from becoming what we truly feel is sort of a fully functioning entrepreneur with a staff and with a you know, sales force, et cetera, was understanding the market opportunity and then organizing a singular effort behind that opportunity to attack it. Um, and I still think we're, we're very much growing into that. You know, by no means are we running Facebook or Twitter. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly a slow build and it takes time. And it's uh, the ability to be both patient as well as aggressive uh, going forward. But I think it was recognizing the market opportunity and organizing everyone behind that purpose to attack it as a team. What is the best advice you've ever received? Sort of get, get busy working on your own dreams. Otherwise, you'll end up working for someone else who, who you, you're effectively working for theirs. I love that. Don't work for someone else's dream, Fire Nation, if you have that fire within. What's a personal habit, Matthew, that contributes to your success? I get up every single day at probably about 6 a.m. Um, and go for a two and a half to a three mile run every single workday, followed by a very specific morning uh, regimented um, diet for, for breakfast at my desk or certainly at my desk either at home or in the office uh, by no later than sort of 7.30, 7.45. What is your breakfast? Uh, it's a power smoothie. So it's uh, kale, spinach, celery, carrots, beets, uh, hemp protein, chia seeds, uh, coconut milk, coconut oil, and some almond butter. Let me give you uh, one more ingredient to try out on that. Bee pollen. I love it. Try it out. It's so good. I will. Share an internet resource like Evernote with Fire Nation. I mean, I think it's no big surprise anymore, but Slack is is something that uh, the full team here uses. I think it's it's proven to be more effective than email, especially for internal discussions as your internal team starts growing. Um, Things don't get lost. You're able to to, to share files directly and organically actually in the threads, um, and everything is retraceable, so nothing ever gets lost on an email server. Uh, And you can also tie in outside vendors. So if you've got an attorney who needs to weigh in on a certain discussion, uh, very easy to sort of plug them into it. Same thing goes for um, putting you know, specific you know, goals on uh, on web projects. So if you've got a team of developers building you something out, uh, it gives you the ability to collaborate with them in a much more organic structure than you know, email notes or, or conference call or Google Hangout notes. Uh, it's a great, great tool. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Losing My Virginity, you know, the, the Richard Branson autobiography that is just absolutely incredible. Um, his story, what they faced, uh, the ability for him to basically replicate his success in industries that had absolutely nothing in common with each other in a very short time span, and also his ability to effectively be willing to just roll the dice so many times uh, and understand that there are elements of risk he can control and elements of risk that he cannot, uh, and he's basically been successful and uh, sort of coming out on the, the, the right end of that more times than not. Fire Nation, I know you love audio. So I teamed up with Audible, and if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook for free at eofirebook.com. And Matthew, I want to end on fire with a parting piece of guidance from you, the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you can you can find us on the internet uh, um at www.bondit.us. 
Uh, we're also on socials, obviously on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Um, I'd like to, to offer something to the, the Fire Nation um, on the on the Buffalo Eight side of our business. In, if anyone's putting project together, either in the feature film, the commercial space, or the television space, um, you can you can reach out to Buffalo Eight at just info at buffalo eight dot com reference fire, uh, and we'll we'll offer up to fifty percent off any discussion uh, you want to have, whether that's putting something together tangibly now or looking down the the spectrum of you know, wanting to launch a production company, etc. We have literally literally hundreds of clients in that space that we've uh, everything from you know, high level Netflix clients all the way down to individuals looking to launch you know, something sort of out of their out of their apartment. So I think you can find us. Um, you know, all over the place where we're, we're, su- we're certainly super active uh, online in terms of you know, entrepreneur communities. Um, and we, we, we appreciate the opportunity to be involved here. And uh, Well, what's that parting piece of guidance? I, I think, I think hu- understanding that, that uh, with, with hustle and with just sort of constant or unrelenting persistence, uh, opportunities will end up um, presenting themselves. You know, I think for me personally, the piece of advice I wish someone had given me is that you're certainly sort of venturing into the unknown uh, more often than not. And you have to be willing to sort of make your own personal peace with that, roll the dice and uh, constant hustle will will help you resolve more issues than not. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with MH and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Matthew in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. His recommended book, resources, of course, go to buffalo8.com or bondit.us. But the real call to action for any of you people in the film industry Email info at buffalo8.com. Mention the word fire. You're going to get 50% off whatever it is that you decide to choose to go down. So huge opportunity there. And Matthew, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Fire Nation, thank you for listening to EO Fire. Visit eofire.com for killer resources, free trainings, and so much more. If you're ready to share your voice and message with the world, freepodcastcourse.com is for you. Learn how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast for free and ignite.